Hi, this is Carolyn Elliott. You can call me Layla Bernard. And you are listening to the Sleepover podcast. Tonight, Layla and I are hanging out in my living room in Pittsburgh with my daughter, Lulu. And we just got done. Uh, I helped Carolyn climb up into her spooky, spooky Pittsburgh attic to get down all of her Midwest mom Halloween decorations. So the season is officially upon us, everyone. Get your pumpkins and your candy skulls out. It's true. It's true. (laughs) I feel like I have fulfilled my dharma. I really feel like this very Vedic sense of like um ritual completion ritual completion (laughs) like being like the good wife who pleases the gods by maintaining um your beautiful temple my beautiful temple so yeah i get a lot of satisfaction from that um i like to think of myself as an appalachian midwest mom yeah yeah i mean i can't deny that pittsburgh is a midwestern vibe it's certainly true but someday sometime we should go into a deep discussion of the real regions of the United States yes, and their oh, actual different uh, cultural vibes that are not often acknowledged in mainstream media discourse. No, and they have their own unique magic and sacred cultures of their own. Indeed. Yeah, we'll have to do that as a special episode sometime when we go visit my homeland in Wisconsin and we can compare the upper Midwest Great Lakes Mississippi River Valley to the Appalachian Midwest yeah and you're from a a grand specific region within the Midwest indeed the Driftless region I feel like it's the Driftless that's so sexy I know doesn't it isn't it so sexy yeah I mean I could nerd out on this for a long time but like needless to say like long story short you know the Midwest is known for being flat this part of the Midwest is super hilly because it didn't get covered by glaciers so people have been living there like uninterrupted since before the last ice age there's like sacred yoni caves and all kinds of like thunderbird paleolithic you know turtle island art uh, just like in people's backyards Uh yeah it's weird so Pittsburgh and weird Viroqua, weird vortexes. Mm, of hilly Midwest. Riparian underworld serpent. Primeval beauty. Indeed. So we were, right, naughtiness goes hand yes, we, in hand. Yes, we were going over the tenets image. of our gospel, of the sleepover gospel, and uh, yeah, naughtiness goes in hand with deep truth realization. It's true. I mean... <sighs> Who can deny that the true divine is a trickster? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, woo. and if you think they're not, that's like the classic, you know, <laughs> if, if there ever was the thing that the devil did, it's convincing you that the devil didn't exist. Right. And if there ever was a thing that a trickster God did, it was convincing you that there was some other guy who was the trickster God. <laughs> Look, right. I tell it to you straight, man. Just right. you got to trust me. Yeah, trust me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That guy tells you only lies. That other guy, he's lying. The liar he's- says. <laughs> <laughs> that fuck, those fucking sphinxes, goddammit. Oh, man. I used to love that riddle. Remember that riddle? Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about the riddle? The sphinxes riddle? Well, well the riddle of, like, um, two, um, like, there's two lions sitting outside a door, mm-hmm. and you want to know, like, which of two doors you should go in. And one of the lions always tells the truth, and the other one always lies, and you only get to ask one question. Yeah, I hate that riddle, because I can never figure it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, 
If you want to send me an amazing Instagram message and tell me the answer to the riddle of which question you would ask uh, in order to get into the right, the correct one of two doors, if you could only ask one question to the lying sphinx and the truth-telling sphinx, I would be very happy Maybe to Maybe I should think about that. it for a second because I haven't tried it for a long time. I'm, I'm prematurely resentful. Um, so let's see. There's two doors and behind one is certain okay. death and behind one is eternal life. Ha ha ha. Um, and there's two lions, and one of them always tells the truth, and one of them always lies. So the first lion says... So so you walk into the room, oh. and you get to ask one question, okay. and then choose one door. And whichever door you open, that's the door you get. Certain death or eternal life. Oh. So you have to know the question to so, ask. So the, there's one question that will get you the right... Get, will get you the information. Maybe we'll table it, and then in the, next, in the next episode, Carolyn can show off her guesses to the questions. Oh, gosh. Uh, and in the meantime, people can text me uh, on Instagram their guesses, because I love that weird shit. This is like my dad. This is me paying homage to my dad with weird riddles. Oh, adorbs. Adorbs. And by the way, thank you to everyone who has reached out on Instagram with all of your love. We got our first um, tip from an um, amazing listener, my friend Meredith. Shout hey, out to Meredith. Meredith, yeah. We haven't made it to the coffee shop yet, Meredith, but next time we are definitely going to drink kava and we'll be singing your praises. So, uh, yeah, oh, we're always welcome to have our drink spot. <laughs> Sweet. So, what was I thinking? Um, I was telling naughtiness. naughtiness. I was telling Layla a story about a rather divine kind of naughtiness that I encountered in a person. That I'm. Um, so this was a person who I met on Tinder. I believe you said it was this guy you were fucking on Tinder. <laughs> yeah, okay, this guy I was fucking from this Tinder. Is, this is the uncensored <laughs> podcast, Carolyn. <laughs> this is not. The, this is not your your lecture hall at U Pit. Okay. This is when David and I had first started seeing each other and weren't yet exclusive. And um, he was a really sweet guy. He was funny. He was enthusiastic. Um, and smart. Smart, sweet. Good dick. Yeah. Good. The full package. The full thing. And we were having a nice time together. And he was like, like a triple or quadruple Aries. He had an Aries stellium. And at the time, I was just getting, and I still do this at the time, I, all the time, I ask people about their birth chart information when I meet them because the way that I learn to understand the signs is through encountering them in people. Right. And so I pay attention, especially when I find out that somebody has a stellium. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll get like a pure concentrated blast for my scientific studies. So this is part of my scientific studies. So hanging out, Carolyn, the field, the field scientist, hanging out with this gentleman, and he had a, a wonderful bright red sports car, fast, sexy, fun, and we liked to go out on dates in his sports car. It was cool. Uh, he was a good driver. He drove very fast. But he was good. And one night he came to pick me up in the red sports car. Gonna go out to dinner. Awesome, and there was no passenger seat in the car. And I was like, I was like, I was like, did it break? I was like, what? And I was like, hey, um, young man. (laughs) I mean, I called him by his name. I'm keeping him anonymous. (laughs) You're doing great. I was like, "Um, where's the passenger seat? And he was like, oh, 
I, yeah, I took it out so the car would go faster. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It goes like a mile faster now per hour. And I was just like, uh, okay. So I sat in the back seat. We went out. Um, and, you know, there was no malice in it. There was, he wasn't trying to slight me. Right, he wasn't trying to make you feel like a piece of trash having to sit in the back seat. No, it was just he was having fun with his car, and I was enjoying the fruits of his fun. It goes faster now. <laughs> it's better. It's a better experience, Karen. Yeah. Totally. And, like, that's such a, like, delightful, sweet, like, self-serving form of naughtiness. So, yes. And that, so that naughtiness was the, um... The second most Aries thing that anybody has ever said in right. history. Right. Removing the passenger seat from your red sports car so it can go faster is basically like the and, definition. And picking up your date. In right. It. <laughs> right. With no sense of self-consciousness. That is basically the definition of Aries. Yeah. And so then I learned the first most Aries thing that anybody has ever said. Which was. Same guy. I was having sex with this guy. And it was fun. We were having a good old time. We were in the scissors position. And I was enjoying myself. And he said, I'm so glad I invented this position. (laughs) And I was like, what? What? Uh... And then he was serious. And so I was like, "Um, you know, there's been thousands of years of human evolution and the Kama Sutra. I'm pretty sure some other people have had sex like these this bo- These bodies have been in this configuration for long enough, and this is an activity that enough people enjoy that, like, the iterations have been covered, my friend. There is nothing new under the sun, truly. It was not even a very weird position. Right. It was kind of an obvious one. But he was just so in his delight at having invented it. He, was, he thought about it. He was like, huh? No, no, I I invented it. <laughs> and I was telling Layla, this this experience with this gentleman was um, a really fun, deep one to ponder because it was like, he had self-centeredness, but there was nothing um, insulting about it. It was just so pure and so delighting and so childlike, <coughs> even though about adult themes, that... Sweet. Very sweet. Right. And I mean, I think that that's like such a great way of seeing all naughtinesses too, Carolyn, is that like certainly were you to wish to suffer, you could have looked at him, you know, taking out the passenger seat in his car and making you sit in the back as like a hugely personal insult that meant that he did not care about you and did not exalt you. Certainly you could have suffered over it. And certainly you could have been like, you know screwing this guy and hearing him say this stupid <laughs> shit like he invented sex like how self-centered and like ignorant do you have to be to imagine that like you could certainly decide that he's an idiot for that but like why like truly actually why who is harmed he's in and he's in his delight and this is like really i feel like the secret is that you know, all of these like so-called naughty, bad, terrible things that we're also afraid of doing and are like so taboo and bad. Like when we are really inhabiting the innocence of the illuminated real knowledge of what is going on here, like other people find it charming, actually. I mean, it becomes much less naughty because its intention is not 
rooted in like self-hate, suspicion, remorse, guilt. It's like really just coming from this like, oh, well, I wonder what that does. Child place that like really turns everyone on. Like everyone loves that sense of innocence. Mm-hmm. And so even the less um, pure or Aryan expressions of naughtiness, so that's, I mean, I certainly love like some Scorpio expressions of naughtiness. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this, this, this axiom of the gospel, this tenet of the gospel is really, is really just the deep truth that all naughtiness is part of the grand whole. And, you know, there, it, naughtiness is maybe the better word for evil. <laughs> You know, like less judgmental, (laughs) right? Exactly. Um, But I think it's also just the vibe of sexiness. I think tons Mm -hmm. and tons of people have very firmly divorced sexy, hot feelings from their idea of what is spiritual or wholesome, or what is unconditional love, divine love, ascended ascension. Whatever, like high vibe, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but you know, God's hot for your nasty bits. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> really, yeah, like pervily watching you through the window of your own fucking eyeballs all the time. Like whatever you're doing, freak, fucking freak. Ugh. Stalking you just wherever you go, <laughs> that psycho god. <laughs> yes, very uh, ardent. Do we have anything to say about anything more to say about the importance of naughtiness, Carolyn? I mean, well, I feel like just that, uh, everyone just... who's listening to us already knows that we love naughtiness and exalted above all things. <laughs> so, well, I feel like it's let's just talk a little bit more about like why, if if you have disassociated sexy stuff from spiritual stuff like what is there to be gained from reassociating them and uh opening that door well i mean i feel like the very like obvious example of what happens when it's exiled is like the you know, weird shut down Catholic guilt that everybody's always on about of being like, well, I have these urges, but I just, I know that they will send me straight to the bad place. And that is neurosis. That is neurotic. And that is like, you know, licking your own fur off in a weird cage. And then it creates these powerless feeling people who take themselves out on even more powerless people, you know, and it's just ugh. right trying to control the behavior of others in order to like get some scrap, some scrap of satisfaction. Well, literally abusing children in the case of the Catholic Church. I True. mean, yes. Whoosh. yes, indeed. And uh, that kind of stuff. Anyways, so that's that's what happens when that's what the suppress- that's the suppression of the divine naughtiness. It's what Not makes the cool. twisted. The twisted stuff, I feel. And even the, like, even, like, the weird, you know, not particularly fun-looking, like, arid, you know, monk stuff of, like, counting your, like, everything and trying to just, like, really be so pure, pure, pure. I mean, that is... There's other versions of that that aren't linked to Catholicism. There's, like, purity cults everywhere. 
people trying to like prune out parts of themselves, people trying to like make themselves worthy, but like, damn. That is the way of the Pharisees. That is the way. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's the lying way. That's not the way, the truth and the light. Yeah. So, I mean, recoupling them. I mean, I just am not sure how one could advance on the spiritual path by like rejecting essentially what you are because that is rejecting the creation. Like I just, I just really don't even at, at this point, it doesn't you know make what, sense uh, You know what currently. quote has helped me really integrate my, the sexual and the spiritual. Tell me. Um, well, William Blake's great hermetic tantric masterpiece, the marriage of heaven and hell. Um, one of the proverbs of hell is, uh, eternity is in love with the productions of time. Ugh. Eternity is in love with the productions of time. That's it. Thank you, William Blake. And one day while I was deep in karma mudra meditation, uh, making love with the primordial Buddha, well, actually, I think I was just flirting with the primordial Buddha, um, Hot. I experienced, I had this question come up in my mind, like, well, why should the Buddha be in love with me? I'm just like, whatever, a piece of driftwood in the universe. And then I remembered, oh, I'm a fractal holograph of the whole universe. I am everything <laughs> that there is in the universe to love <laughs> is reflected in me and, oh. and creates me. Uh-oh. And then I was like, uh, into gross territory, Carolyn. Yeah. And then I like, I felt his love. I felt eternity be in love with me, the productions of time. Uh, and that was when I blacked out of uh, existing reality and like fell into being a supernova in a vast sea of stars just exploding. And then I came back awake with a, my heart jolted again. So, good times. Good times. Stellar, uh, hashtag stellar gnosis. <laughs> Woo! And, um, so all I'm saying is, the prophet William Blake was right. Eternity is in love with the productions of time. It creates us, it it wants it. It wants it all. It does not make mistakes. It is not out there in its own pleasure making stuff that does not please it. Why would it? Why would it waste its damn time? Has nothing but time. Can do whatever it wants. And really what I like to think about, we were talking about the aesthetic view of reality. Mm. Like, I like to think about God as like an installation artist for one of those like theatrical productions that's interactive, like Cry No More, that was such a big hit in New York City a few years back. And um, maybe we should go in the other room because my daughter and her toys are pretty loud. Hold on. Sorry, everybody. We're hanging out. Lulu. It's just how we do it. It's, uh, it's this or not at all. So... <laughs> Uh, so we were talking about eternity is in love with the productions of time. Oh, you're talking about God as the, God as the creator of an installation art piece. Oh, right. Um, and you think about it and you think like, wow, from that point of view, it has everything. It has 
such tragedy, <laughs> such like explosive comedy, such um, gut wrenching horror, everything bliss, sublime connection, staggering, gorgeous sets. <laughs> oh my god! Like indeed, because it works with the full palette of polarity and embraces and dances with all of it. Right. If anything were supposed to not be included, it would already not be included. It's just, it, it is the way that it is because it is wanted the way that it is. So all of our little human ideas about naughtiness and what one shouldn't do and what is inappropriate, simply inappropriate, is like very silly because if it can be done, it is loved. And the paradox there is that as we open to like how fucking loved we are for all of the stupidest, stupidest, dumbest, crazy things, we're like way less neurotic and driven by the pain of fear of not being loved. And so all the tragic weird stuff that is fine and okay anyway, just happens in our personal experience much less. Yes. And something that I also like to think about is the fundamental elements that make up the world, the water, air, earth, fire, and how they form themselves into majestical things like, let's say, a big old gorgeous tree and how the majestical existence of that tree and the elements that create it are precisely only exist in relationship to the most horrific act of war because that tree exists in a universe of elements that can put themselves into the configuration of humans with the drives and everything and the distortions that is where that tree exists it is not possible without all of the rest of everything and that is what has taken me into my grokking of the great prophet william blake's you know line about uh to see eternity in a grain of sand or heaven in a wildflower um, you know, if, uh, we could open the doors of perception, man would see everything as it truly is infinite. It's like the, the tree of that fractal Taurus sneaky motherfucker, <laughs> that Taurus tree is just, it's doing its whole mandala dance out from itself to make everything and it's all just seamlessly yeah well i mean for for in a completely different direction um you know i have had similar beautiful contemplations on the like needfulness of the balance of opposites and like for every bit of goodness that we ever wish to exist we will also create a commensurate amount of badness or whatever um in just contemplating, like, you know, sine waves and the up and down oscillations, like, it all averages out to nothing, 
you know, really the emptiness of everything is a nothing. And so in order for the illusion of anything to exist, it has to pop out in both directions because then it will add up to zero and the whole sum balanced equation will work out in the end. So it's just like whatever of naughtiness we wish to reject, we also reject goodness. One plus one equals zero. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Weird, weird math. Yeah. So, well, everybody, I think that was our little that's check-in our, for tonight. That's our wrap on naughtiness. Why yeah. it's essential to contemplation of the eternal. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Sleepover <laughs> podcast. So please uh, subscribe and review us. That'll help more people. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hear us.